Hey, this is Kevin from Kevin's Barbecue Joints, and welcome to the Kevin's Barbecue Joints podcast. And this one's awesome. It's always a great time talking to Robbie Robinson from City Limits Barbecue. It's been a long, long time since we spoke, and the best part about this is he now has a brick-and-mortar location. It's going to be in West Columbia, South Carolina. He goes into all the details. This is seven years in the making, I and mean, he goes into all the trials and tribulations of trying to find a place and the emotional highs and lows and it's a long one but it's so so good so so informative if you're interested in opening a barbecue spot or you're just curious as to what he's been doing you definitely want to check this out his food looks phenomenal it always looks phenomenal it's looking like he's probably gonna be open saturdays only but as time goes on i'll put a link to his Instagram below that way you could follow along and see when the official grand opening is I know he's going to be having some pop-ups just to get people familiar with the location but the location as you'll find out is very unique very funky it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be great so I can't thank him enough for taking the time enjoy this with Robbie how are you doing this morning how how's your how's your mindset oh good 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 uh we just we we've been on a tear for the last few weeks for us um, having catering for several weekends in a row. It was an exhausting weekend. Looking at some of your questions, I can't remember to what extent we got into this last time, but you know, it was, it was 15 years of the white collar world and dealing with some of the white collar world challenges and to, to, to the extent that you are or are not in control of your own destiny was really what gave rise to city limits. Where did I have that aha moment? Mm -hmm. Well, I was eating lunch at a local buffet place, which one of the ways to describe South Carolina barbecue is a barbecue buffet. Yes, we're pork state, we're pulled pork, that's South Carolina barbecue. But another thing that's unique to South Carolina is that we have a lot of buffets. I was eating at uh, one of my favorite barbecue places which i actually would go there to eat the fried chicken because i love fried chicken i was sitting there and thinking like and this is after 10 years of watching diners drive-ins and dives watching the barbecue pit masters and not really knowing i know how to cook i cooked in college at a, a couple fine dining restaurants but you know that was a another lifetime ago yeah. and years of watching these shows on tv and you know you watch these shows on friday nights and and you get crazy hungry it's like wow that looks delicious could you hear that a little bit what was that uh that was a carolina squat truck with the uh, loud muffler okay <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, we're in that part of South Carolina, but anywho, um, was this a meet and three place? Is that what they call them? Or you could call that a meet and three place. Meet and three places are typically, typically sit down places with a waitress. They come take your order and you get a meet and okay. three side choices. The buffets are different that you can go up there and put whatever you want on your plate. So, um, if they had waitresses, it would be a meet and three place, but they don't. So it's just straight buffet. And actually, I actually worked at a meet as part of my restaurant background. I actually worked at a meet and three place for three years. So oh. they were insanely high volume. I understand that aspect of the restaurant business. And to, in addition to the, the fine dining aspect of it, you know, uh, higher price points, quality, you know, lower volume. But um, you're serving a completely different customer uh, versus the high volume meat three place. White collar world's going along, you know, see this great food, man, I'm hungry. You know, there's nothing like that here in in South Carolina. We're in town locally where you, you could just go over, get a uh, uh, an awesome this type of dish and 
So anyway, fast forward, it was a, a time in my life where I was thinking, you know, I got to figure out something else I can do if there's something else I can do. And I was eating at this restaurant, which I go there for the fried chicken and I was eating and, and I had some barbecue on the plate. And I know that it wasn't barbecue pit cooked barbecue. It was uh, oven cooked barbecue with um, liquid smoke. And I was thinking, why can't we have a higher end or higher quality barbecue restaurant here, which at the time there wasn't that it was all the traditional barbecue buffets or just standard commodity, high volume barbecue mm-hmm. places. And um, I had that aha. I was like, wow, that's a market opportunity. My CPA brain started going in, uh, in my small business brain started going in overdrive thinking, well, how could this work? And at first I, I think it would be a challenge to open up a competitive business, uh, competitive um, pork barbecue place here because there's so many other, not so many, every other place in town was a pork barbecue place. And quickly identified, well, hey, you know, Texas barbecue, there's nobody doing that here. Uh, And having watched Texas barbecue on TV is like, you know, it looks delicious. Mm -hmm. And even though I'd lived there for several years, the whole time I was there, I never ate Texas barbecue when we go out to, you know, I'd always ordered pork and, and that's how I actually bought my first smoker was I wanted to teach myself when I was living in Houston, how to cook pork barbecue. Cause I couldn't get any good oh, yeah. pork barbecue. And uh, so that's how I got my first smoker fast forward back up to 25, back to 2015. I just made a quick decision in my head. I said, I think the way to go is Texas barbecue. I don't know how to cook it, but I want to teach myself how to cook it. So that got the wheels going. And the other part of the equation was, well, you know, can we make this a business? And, and that boiled down to, can we cook good food? Can we get customers to come and eat it? And then what are the, the numbers, the dynamics, how do I do this leaving the world that I'm in right now, jumping into this. So that really kicked off this. We're coming to the end of seven full years of doing this. I tell you what, it's been uh, crazy, tons of unanticipated challenges and, uh, you know, lots of very rewarding moments. I got a ton of new friends out of this. A lot of guys that I'm in constant contact with, um, meeting new guys like, like you. Um, and that was another aspect of this that I got into that, was unique with uh, the other worlds that I, that I've lived in. There's a barbecue community that is basically supportive of itself. You know, you, you show up somebody's place of place of business and uh, you know, it's like, Hey, your long lost friends just, just start talking to them. And, and that was a huge draw. And that's one of the big things that actually kept me in this the whole time. Was the end goal to get a brick and mortar or was it something that you. From the get go, the idea was, can we make this into a business? And I knew that it, there was a certain volume aspect to it. And we got into the food truck as a proof of concept because uh, as everybody knows that the, the capital commitment or, or the cost to get into this business, it's expensive. And so, you know, do you, and this is a problem with restaurants in general is that if you have an unproven concept without a following, you go and open up a place without a proven menu. How long does it take for you to figure out what your customers want and how to refine the uh, menu? You know, you have restaurants that knock it out of the park from day one that's a Cinderella, you know, my observation, yeah, that is a Cinderella story. Yeah. More than likely, these restaurants have challenges. I mean, same same with me, that if you go back and realize that we've been doing this part-time for seven years, 
if you compress all of that, all of those services that we've done, we've basically been open for a little over a year. Mm -hmm. And so we have kind of rationalize what's going on. We have a year's worth of experience spread over seven years, figuring out what customers like, what we want to do, how we want to do it. And this brick and mortar came up. Well, let me take a step back. So over the seven years, the plan wasn't to drag this out for seven years. Yeah, and, I was going to uh, say that like, because the like, best part of one of my questions is like, what keeps you going? Because a lot of people would throw in the towel after five years or the, the pandemic probably- added strange things to it too. Yes, uh, absolutely. So over the seven years, probably year two, mentally I pulled the trigger, say, hey, I think that we can do this. I had a a really good following. I believe that we were cooking good food, and I thought that we would be able to scale this up from the food truck to a restaurant. So about 2017-ish, I've started looking for brick-and-mortar spots. And since 2017, I've written them all down and... To refresh my memory, because some of this has been traumatic, uh, (laughs) laughably traumatic. Over the last five years, we identified about 20 different locations. Within those 20, about 10 of those were, take a step back, 20 locations. Hey, that looks like a good spot. Let me dig into it, see if it's available, what's going on. And so within those 20, there were about 10 that I said, hey, this looks like this is doable. And w- within the and proceeded to continue the conversation with the the landlord, owner, seller, whoever it may be. And within those 10, there were about seven that to take it to the next step to really get super serious about this, that I had to mentally take a step back and say, if we do this, this is going to be a complete life change. But w- I had to get mentally on board, say this is the place we can do this. We can be successful figuring out how we would be successful there. And of those seven, I tried to buy or lease um, as this conversation progresses with the owner, landlord, et cetera. Of those uh, seven, I think five or six of them, I went through the process of trying to lease or buy. And so with each of those, it was an all in mental moment. And, And of those, this last one is the one that was the right opportunity at the right time, the, the, the right setup. And those prior ones that didn't work out, some of the issues were me, some of the issues were were the um, the cat and mouse game that, that I've come to learn that brokers and landlords, sellers, leasers play as, they, as they've got, you know, one of the things that I kind of figured out the hard way, me being a little naive at, at times that, you know, you start talking to these people and, I guess I'm a little gullible that they're they're being completely ca- candid, not open with me. It turns out, you know, they had five other offers on the table, uh-huh. and uh, and so all those others didn't work out. I'm kind of glad that they didn't because each location is is different. It's not like McDonald's where McDonald's has a blueprint for what they do. They go and find a corner lot somewhere that has a specific, you know, uh, or Chick Fil A. Uh, you have a uh, vehicles per day. You know, you look at it very analytically and, oh. and here Columbia, West Columbia license just isn't uh, number one, that big to have that opportunity to just go out and find place. But number two, the cost of capital to doing this, there are so many different ways uh, to, to approach the brick and mortar that there wasn't anything set in stone that, Hey, I want to have a 3,500 square foot restaurant with a 2,000 square foot dining space with X amount of external and this, we 
frankly didn't have the capital to just go buy a piece of dirt and do a mm -hmm. predetermined plan. So it was what's available. And so of those places that I found, it was saying, okay, so this is here. It's in this city. There is no room for smokers outside. So how do you come overcome that challenge? There is no additional parking or the kitchen is humongous. So you're paying a lot for a big kitchen that you won't fully utilize, or there's, um, there's no opportunity for outdoor dining. So uh, each restaurant that I committed to mentally to proceed down the road of trying to lease it or buy it. Uh, it was a completely unique animal looking at the numbers. The, de uh, the demographics too, weren't you? Cause I remember you yep. were he you're heavy into who would be able to, to visit and what number yep. those numbers were. Yeah, exactly. So where you place this, our area is very tribal. People don't like to go far places. So to retrain people, their dining habits, where they will or will not go, um, it can be expensive and fr quite frankly, impossible. I've said this before to people that I bet per capita, we have one of the highest chain restaurant failure rates because from the outside, people think it you can just do a cookie cutter business approach, go drop a chain in somewhere and people don't realize how un- likely a lot of people are to drive uh, even for a good restaurant you know across town which across town here is nothing like across town where you're at so you know a, a 25 minute drive to get something good oh you you, you would think you're trying to get some uh, uh a kidney from somebody yeah, are people set in their creatures. ways or yeah creatures or, yeah. yeah creatures happy you know you get into a routine hey you know i'm uh Mon monday or tuesday i'll go to my chinese restaurant to uh wednesday thursday i'll, I'll go to the meeting three and you know and you know, i'll take my lunch on thursday and you know maybe we'll go to uh the sizzler or something on saturday for the weekend and and a lot of people here once you get into the routine it's tough to break it and so yeah. that goes back to the you know it takes a year ish to to really understand your business and so i think i have a good handle on my customers, uh, who's going to travel, who's not, when they're going to travel, and back to all those different restaurants. You're right that uh, each one of those restaurants, not only you had the the logistical challenges or opportunities to say, hey, we could do this here, we can't do that there. How do we break even? Then there's the geographical positioning of the restaurant that also goes into that. Well, if we are on the other, if we are out look at us at a, as a Venn diagram. Hey, here's a really good place. Here's a really good place in town. Here's a good place in town. And if we are on the fringe over here, then you're really alienating those people. And if you could get a place where the Venn diagram, where you have the overlaps, you, know, you can, you know, maybe you're not close to them, but you're a whole lot closer and pull from a whole, a whole lot of different areas. And so that's kind of where we're at now and where I've been looking for probably the last two or three years is a, it's a pretty good sweet spot between Columbia and Lexington. And I can't remember uh, if this camera is uh, reversed. Yeah, or not, it, but, it'll uh, probably be reversed. I think it is. Lexington is on the left side, whether it's left, right, or street. So Lexington is on one side of our area. Columbia is on the other. And West Columbia is in the center. And I'm smack dab in the middle of West Columbia. So I know, and I've never had a concern with um, pulling people to our place on Saturday because people will travel on a Saturday. It's always been, well, will they drive over here on a Sunday? Will they drive over here on a Friday? What, so is the Friday, is it Friday lunch or is it Friday evening? For this particular location, still trying to figure the other than Saturday, 
part of it out, but I, I know and I've known that if we could just get open somewhere, we will do very well on Saturday so long as we execute and provide a, uh, a, a reasonable customer experience. So this particular building. How did you find it? Did you? This place is literally half a mile down the road from, from where I'm currently stationed every day, where my office and where my uh, barbecue, current barbecue setup is at. And so, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I would drive by this place literally every day. Some days I would drive by it on, on purpose just to see if there happened to be a for rent sign on it. In the meantime, I'm pursuing all these other locations. And so there's a local foodies group on Facebook. And I follow that. And this particular restaurant had a, uh, a disgruntled employee um, post some very negative stuff. And <laughs> I, irony is that over the winter, that same Facebook group really built this particular restaurant's business up. They've been here for like two or three years. And over the winter going into March, their business was booming. And every time I drive by, I say, dang, hey, that little restaurant's actually doing good. Good for them. And then uh, that negative post came out and overnight whacked them. I mean, right at the knees, wow. they were they were dead. And so that's when I started intentionally driving by here, saying, "Hey, you know, I wonder if what they're going to do." Uh, I kept being persistent, cleverly. What, what type it, of restaurant was this? It was a uh, just a small. Well, they did they sold cam they brewed and sold kombucha uh, retail, but they also had this kind of like an American style. Uh, a higher uh, elevated American style menu. It was very small and, you know, we're not talking big volume uh, here. I never ate there. Uh, it was a little sketchy, some sketchy restaurants. You're like, Hey, you know, that taco truck looks sketchy, but I know that it's gotta be good. And then there's <laughs> other places that are, wow, that place looks really sketchy. Yeah. And you know what, not to uh, throw them under the bus, but you know, I just never, I don't, I don't think I'm going to go there. And so that goes back to the, you know, I'm set my ways. Hey, I'm going out to go get my, yeah, uh, my you're one of those today. guys. <laughs> yes, I, I absolutely, yeah, I absolutely am. Um, we all are, so but it's in a, in a certain extent, but there's also, there are people that will travel for barbecue, but it's also, it depends on the, the location and it depends on, but that's interesting. Like they, they brewed kombucha, like not many restaurants brew their own kombucha. <laughs> yes. So anyway, uh, I, I'd actually had emailed the owner say, Hey, uh, you know, I noticed that they were closed one day when they should have been open. And I was mm -hmm. like, Oh, I, I'm going to email this lady or contact her somehow. What did I say? I phrased it like, uh, Hey, are you guys, uh, are y'all open this week? And, uh, she came back with a really good, uh, crafted response hey you know blah 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 this excuse that excuse and then the next week you know it accelerated i saw like stuff out on the sidewalk and i was like "Ooh!" and the <laughs> uh, uh, they yep they posted something on facebook and one of my, and and then they deleted it I, I still understand what was going on with that i didn't see the facebook post but one of my vip customers happened to saw it sent me a screen grab where they're basically saying hey it's been a great run you know it's the standard hey we're closing i saw that immediately and immediately i got in contact with i say hey what's going on i may be able to help you and uh, i'd never set foot on this property so i didn't know how oh my gosh unique this property was um for good and bad but yeah um, we'll get into that within about an hour or two i was over here she was showing me the property you know i said hey put me in contact with this landlord asap and so uh 
the next day the landlord was over here uh we we hit it off right right from the get-go part of what i learned thank goodness i learned this uh over the, the last few years was there were a couple of these deals that were i wouldn't say stolen but it sounds really nice and dramatic they were basically uh, stolen right from under my nose because there was a better deal or there was somebody far more assertive than me that that got the deal done before i did and so when i came over here first pass through here i said this can be a awesome super funky it is insanely unique there is no other place like this place in the world again for good and for bad as i've learned and um I think that this is the place and started talking to the landlord and we knocked out a handshake agreement, I think either the first day or, or the second day. And so oh, wow. let me tell you about this landlord. He He's an old country dude. I think I posted one or two pictures about his farm truck. So the day that I pull in to meet him, he's got his old uh, pickup truck. And I mean, it, it looks rough. It hadn't been washed it, it probably ever. You know, there's a brick underneath the front tire, um, which you do if you got a bad. Br and so like, I'm like, wow. It's like, and, and I think actually I, my first thought was, was there were, those were some workers. I started talking though. It's his farm truck. <laughs> and, um, you know, this is a uh, country, good old country boy. You start looking at the truck and anything that broke was repaired by something that he had laying around. So like there's a, uh, the door handle is the end of a steak knife that was taped or screwed together. Um, <laughs> the part, the window on the back cab uh, where the window busted out was a grill grate that was put in. And so oh, that's hilarious. I, I didn't appreciate it then. But I'm I'm greatly appreciating it now that that is exactly how he maintained this property. So going back to the funkiness and the uniqueness of this place, if people understand what a farm truck is, this place is a farm truck that if he if something had a hole in it or needed repaired, if he had a piece of scrap anything laying around that was going to be used to make the repair. So crazy! That's so intriguing. Oh well, so yeah. Um, so so then was it? Did you guys have a, that a handshake agreement, or was it? Did you? Oh yeah. Not like it was. He's the type of guy, and and I believe him that he's a you know if you shake your hand, you know it's a done deal. It mm -hmm. took us a week or so to get it get it in writing, mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, we we shook hands either that first. It must have been the second day that I came over here looking at it more and more. The opportunity or the deal that we struck was the right opportunity that the financial risk reward was too good to walk away from. And so looking back at those other locations, and if there's some young guy with a with a dream or a food truck looking at this and that's thinking about taking that next step, one of the things that I think that I rambled on about the last time we spoke is knowing your numbers and understanding what you have to do. So I know what my break even is. And I know that if I was to do this full time, how much above my break even, how much how much my sales have to be so that I don't immediately go into bankruptcy. Now, when you're looking at a a, a, a restaurant space that's going to be say a, the real estate itself is say eight hundred thousand or a million bucks, but then you uh, then you take a step back and realize, well, if my rent's going to be say five grand a month, it's an equation that if you know that rent is a, a very small percentage of what your total cost is going to be. You back into it, say, well, if rent's uh, 5% of my total cost, then I should be doing X amount of revenue to break even. Or 
I'm going to try not to get into the weeds like I did last time. Basically, some of the big places I was looking at, we were going to have to do some significant revenue. To do that significant revenue, you need multiple smokers. To do multiple smokers, you're going to have even more staff. Mm -hmm. And then to support all that, you're going to have to be open more than two or three days a week. And so some of these deals that I was looking at, it was like, wow, talking about all in, you know, this is going to be a five to seven day a week operation, which is going to be a massive undertaking capital. It would be very uh, capital intensive, but also labor, labor. Uh, which is very problematic. So now back to this place, the right place at the right time. The deal that I got with this, uh, the right deal at the right time, it's structured so that we can go in basically doubling what we're already doing as a food truck. It's not going to acquire a ton of additional capital. Um, it's not going to require a, a lot of em additional employees. And what it'll, what I've been thinking over the last year or two was I just need a place to where we can hire one or two people and just do the food truck service every Saturday. You know, that, that's all just to generate consistent revenue mm -hmm. because we were just doing it anywhere from every three to, to four or five weeks or so. And yeah. this deal, it lets me do that. And so we've already brought on one very solid guy who was from the onset that, that, that keep, that's what kept me up at night was I've got to find somebody that yeah. knows what they're doing. Uh, the guy contacted me out blue, came over, had a talk, brought him on. We've already cooked a few times over the last few weeks together. And he seems like the right guy. He's been a long time follower on social media. I never knew who he was, but I remember when he would comment and stuff, always, you know, positive comments. And he came over, we started talking. He said, yeah, man, I've been following for years. You know, I dig what you're doing, man. He knows what he's doing. I'm like, well, I think, I think we found a huge piece wow. on the That's board. A big deal. Absolutely. And um, so now a lot of the energy is refocused to dealing with this property. And how big is this? Place? It's, and it, You've seen, and I'll, I'll put a link to your social media. If people aren't following you already. You've, you've shown a few videos and you've talked over them and it's a, a unique property too. It looks, there's nothing like it I've, that I've ever seen. Yep. All right. So let's talk about the property. This guy, this elderly man. And let me tell you a really cool story, which is probably how we got the deal done really quick is that we started talking and this guy's from out in the country. We started talking the little town where my family is originally from, there was a place with his last name on it. Say, hey, because he was, he lives in that general vicinity. I said, Hey, are you in any relation to these people? He said, yeah, but you know, that that's the rich side of the family. And I'm no, and, and uh, I actually live around the corner say, wait, so, so you live uh, so-and-so and you take a right here. And I'm telling you middle of nowhere, probably about a, a 45 minute drive from here, middle, I'm telling you, middle of nowhere. And we started making small talk. So you take a right here and you live there. He's like, yeah. And my granddad was a sharecropper in the twenties and thirties, the parcel of dirt right beside where he lives, where, where he's lived for forever. He knew who my grandmother was. And so my family moved away from there back in the thirties and actually moved to Columbia in the, in the late thirties. But uh, I'll be damned that now I'm not talking about in the same town, not down the street, literally the property next door, uh, this dude, that's where he lives. So we that's, figured that out. Th that is wild. That's wild. Yes. 
that helped build a rapport. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I felt like I could trust this guy, and I think that he felt that he could trust me, and that handshake happened. Those commonalities, I, like, you yeah. know, they click. Yeah. This guy, he, he's done all kinds of things, and when he originally built this place back about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, he originally had a, uh, a plant nursery, and so the first building that he built was a 2,000 square foot. It wasn't, he didn't even build a building at first. He just laid some concrete down. So he had a place to put the plants. And uh, then it evolved to a second building, uh, added on to the nursery. And then they retired. Then they unretired and decided, hey, well, let's open up a restaurant. So his wife and he operated a Saturday, Sunday only. I think at times it was a meet and three. And at times it was a barbecue buffet. I never ate there, um, uh, but it was just a weekend only type setup. And they had that for two or three years. They retired again, leased it to the people who ultimately just went belly up. But part of this building was originally just a, a landscape nursery. And so there was never in any intention to, to have a nice dining room set up down on the first floor. And when he opened up his, so when they, when they originally poured the concrete for the first building, we're on a little bit of a slope. Well, for landscape nursery, you want the slope so the water will run off. Well, mm -hmm. when he built the building, he didn't do anything about the slope. So this main building has about a 10 to 20 degree slope in it. And I've met several people who came to eat here and say, so what did he do? What what was going on with it? And he's like, well, yeah, now that you bring it up, you know, it was really weird sitting here because, you know, we're, we're leaning, sitting <laughs> on this floor and like, oh my gosh, dude. So this this total building is three buildings and it's about 4,000 square feet. However, half of that is this building that has a slope that for what, how I want to use it, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. So building number two is more level. However, it's still a little bit off. And then the third building is the building that was built by a third party to be the restaurant uh -huh. and it's actually the best building so that has a permitted kitchen in it and going back to what i found this low-hanging fruit this uh this jewel in the rough so to speak was that this was already a permitted kitchen by the health department huge massive uh relief of the capital needs day one so knock on wood when i'm ready to rip the band-aid off and tell the health department hey transfer the permit over to us when they come in they man thinking about my uh, going postal moment if they come in and come up with some sort of crazy out of the left field stuff i'm like nope you know you had it permitted mm -hmm. and their last inspection was actually uh two or three months ago the month right before this place closed and so the anticipation is is that when i'm ready to have them come in which in the next couple two or three weeks come in do the reinspection, get this thing open without a lot of capital investment into the kitchen. However, the building itself, it needs some TLC. You're sitting right now in building three. Yes. Okay. Yes. There's enough here and we are so close to our existing setup that what I anticipate doing for the next uh, two, three pop-up services over the next two to four, six weeks is cook all the food, bring the food truck over here, set up tables on the deck and we're working on getting some picnic tables in the shade on the property and let my customer base so my, my customers come over basically eat outside we have access to a clean 
functioning restroom. Between now and that first pop-up, there are a handful of safety issues that I have to fix, like the um, the ramp that gets to the upper deck. It has handrails and guardrails that, that are in disrepair that I have to repair. There are some other steps that are like emergency fire exit steps that have to be repaired. And uh, I believe that those are going to be all addressed within the next week or two. Do you have some windows that are interesting too? Oh yeah, yeah. So that's the that's the first building, and I was that oh, first that's day the that first I, building. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I'm looking at this building, and um, I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, the the window, you know, open. How does this window open up? And I started looking, and it's a damn glass sliding glass door on its side. So that building has six of these, and I mean. Props to the guy for being resourceful. He so that's had, what he did. Yeah, he that's just just like you explained earlier. He had he must have had them laying around, and he needed windows for his building. So, damn if he didn't put sliding glass doors up for windows. And so oh, that's hilarious. So now the problem, the dilemma is: well, what if one of those windows break? Do I install a real window, or do I go buy another sliding glass door window and replacement? Oh my gosh! But that's one of the things that makes this place incredibly unique and funky. My biggest concern is just let's make sure that it's safe. I've pulled, and this isn't so much him. This was the last tenant. There were literally a thousand screws and nails in all of this decking where they had hung banners or lights or something. And so I think that I've got all of those out. I mean, those are, that's a litigator's uh, dream to have some kid over here, you know, uh, prick his finger, get, draw some blood. And next thing you know, it's a $2,000 out of court settlement to just make the headache go away. If you notice that viral post that I had on TikTok from last week. The electrical is a massive problem here. Part of it was, I think, how he initially had it set up because, again, his first building was just a plant nursery. So he he probably had it code whenever he first opened up. And, but then as this thing started growing and being Frankensteined on or to, uh, pieced together, I don't know at what point it became out of code. And also the most recent tenant for sure added a significant amount of non-code stuff to the, to the building. And so when I first saw this place, the deal and the opportunity is so high and valuable to me that yes we we have some issues to address with the building but i was joking with uh, one of my contractor friends like we need to have something so egregious like finding a pet cemetery underneath somewhere where i have to just walk away i i knew and, and no, i've been around the block i've been in several restaurants that have opened and in any business you have to anticipate the the unexpected mm -hmm. you oh, yeah. don't you don't know what it's going to be but there's going to be something that you're not anticipating and I've had a couple and I had a couple sleepless nights thinking, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? You know, I had to have professionals come in, look at it and get a quick assessment. Hey, is this a deal breaker or is this something we can work around? And so far, everything that we found has been manageable and knock on wood, you know, there's, we have no more surprises. You know, I knew that there were going to be surprises. And, you know, you can fantasize like, hey, you know, one surprise is the suitcase of money that they forgot. Nope. You know, it's always going to be the bad surprises. And yeah. the surprises were out of my wheelhouse or expertise where I could do the work like plumbing. I can do uh, most plumbing. And these were like electrical and structural issues, which I can't do. And so I, I don't know what has to be done. So relying on third party professionals to come in and, and and not 
rip me off, you know, just, you know, tell me what the number is. Don't try to make your whole year off of this one job type situation. And so that viral post on TikTok um, from last week, I knew that it was going to be great content. I knew that I was either going to repair it or it was going to be a deal breaker. And I was going to have to walk away. So I'm fairly cognizant to not post anything that is going to be a long-term problematic thing or gross or a turnoff to customers. But I knew that it was going to be great content. I went ahead and posted it. And you never know until it something runs. And of course, it ran. Exa- you go and look at the comments. I think every electrician in the United States has looked at that post by now. And if you look at the comments, uh, the consensus is, Wow, what an absolute cluster. Um, I have to look look at that again and see the comments. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got something in process to get that fixed. That's one of the biggest safety concerns. So it's going to be... It's going to be a few weeks until I'm able to have people inside the building because heaven forbid, we have a whole bunch of warmers running and we have some sort of a fire risk and an actual, you know, some sort of event. This is where the, my insurance background and being a, a nerdy conservative CPA, you're like, yeah, part of me just wants to let it rip, you know, Hey, let's go. And the other part of me is, well, we can let it go, but then we can be, we can be dead in the water mm-hmm. first day, figuring out what has to be done what what kind of costs are involved and not knowing what has to be done because we haven't unearthed everything yet there's an evolving plan i do know that this deck that i'm on we're going to be able to have six to eight tables on it it is going to be one of the best decks in barbecue because it's it's elevated it's on the second floor so we we almost always have at least a slight breeze coming through here we've got high growth trees all around so you do hear some traffic but at the same time particularly in the mornings the birds are just going insane you have the the sound of the leaves rustling and i don't know to what extent that gets drowned out by other customers but i enjoy just coming up here like staring at the leaves uh and listening to the birds and the 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 tranquility of it you once we get this deck full it may not be uh quite quite that uh peaceful we're trying to set up that escape if you will which is kind of uh well okay so there's another story that's evolving about the name city limits and our proximity to the city limits that i'll get into in the coming weeks as we figure there's there's something going on uh, in the background not a deal breaker just one of these unanticipated challenges that came up back to the name city limits um, I envisioned us uh, being this place, either you're driving out of the city limits or uh, someplace that's, you know, on the periphery of the city limits. That's the, uh, the old funky barbecue or, you know, honky tonk place. And I'll be damned if as bad as I wanted all those other places to work, to be the place, this is that place. Yeah, it seems um, like it. Um, so the downstairs we will we will figure out what the indoor dining situation will be over the coming weeks couple months so that come winter time we can get people dining indoors out of the out of the weather um uh, late summer football season i think we're going to be jamming and my new guy you know keep on preaching you know if we execute the food people are going to come make it consistent and with us the other part of this story is that over these first seven years 
aside from a handful of Facebook event posts that I made, like about 2016, 17-ish, when we were first getting going, we've never advertised outside of me making my my silly little social media posts. So I've been chomping at the bit for years to be able to just yell out, say, yo, look at us. Yeah. We we get overlooked by so many things because there was a certain amount of lurking in the shadows because of how we were set up that I couldn't have all of the regulators looking at think about the LA guys. No, I was going to say, I, I was going to mention that. <laughs> yes. yes. How, I didn't want to blurt out their names, but yes. <laughs> how they were straight up backyard uh, oh, yeah. boot, bootleg pop-ups. Like Bird and Andrew. Yes. And yeah, yeah. To some extent, that's how we've been operating because it's such a challenge without capital and investing into a temporary setup. You, you know, it's almost flushed money that you almost can't get back to get fully I'm going to say legal, but uh, to make everybody happy. Um, And so I had my core following and we did very well with them, but we never reached out beyond that through advertising uh, because I didn't want the extra scrutiny and the extra Mm -hmm. set of eyes because eventually we were going to get on people's radar. So now that we have this uh, definitely over the last few weeks after um, I announced, Hey, this is what we're doing. I am, uh, man, I, I can't wait to see what, what we can do now that we can you know, get onto the mountaintop and start say, yelling out to everybody, yo, come get some food because for sure the, the conservative accountant, a uh, non risk taker in me every day, almost every hour is still thinking, man, you know, I, I know that we can sell two or three briskets. Are we going to be able to sell 30 or 40? on that Saturday crush day. And uh, I know that we will, but this guy said, Oh yeah, man, just cook them. They'll come. And this guy saying, <laughs> Oh man. And so um, wringing his hands. And <laughs> oh, uh, but now, but also too, because I, you're the uniqueness of what you were doing. You, there wasn't a consistency of when you were going to show up. Like it was, uh, this is, uh, this is the point I was going to make about that. I had hired, when I first started, I had a chef that was helping me part-time. He completely understood what's going on. He would drive in. He, he was a badass chef, very well-known in Southeast. He was able to come and help me on the weekends whenever I do a pop-up service. Right before the pandemic, I hired a full-time chef because I was thinking, hey, you know what? Let's try to start doing this every weekend, even though I didn't quite have the uh, the best setup, if you will. And I, when I say didn't have the best setup, I'm talking about if anybody's done one of these pop-ups, and you know wash dishes at your house or the way that we were doing it washing dishes out of the tailgate of your truck by boiling pots of water and washing dishes in bus tubs that chef they're like no nah, i don't think this is right for me which i understand it, it this is a very hard business by itself and then you throw in stuff like not having a dishwash setup yeah, right so tag, yeah. one of the big impediments or hurdles to Doing this every weekend was number one. I couldn't do it myself because there's just too much work the way that we're doing our doing the fresh pickles, the fresh sides. Literally, it it would take me three weeks of prep for that one service. And I would have people that come in and help me Friday and Saturday, but 
all of that other prep really required somebody else in order to do this every weekend. And I, I understood that it was always problematic to hire a really good skilled person one or two days a week in this herky-jerky, less than ideal setup that I had, peeling some layers back here. Let's go back to this past winter. Probably the closest I came to hanging it up because I couldn't find any place to buy or lease. And I say, hey, at some point you got to pull the plug. Mm -hmm. And I was, because the way I had it set up was to, to just cover the bills. You know, definitely not, well, I won't say like, nobody's getting rich doing this. And so, um, you know, not having any other options, I was like, hey, let's pull the plug. I know some guys want to buy some of my stuff, some of my trailers uh, and equipment, and uh, maybe let's do that. And lo and behold, this place popped up. I think I got and a sen it, I got a sense that you were kind of. I was wondering what was happening from afar. Yeah, it was frustrating. All these deals that I tried, I'm putting it all out there trying to make this happen. It it just wouldn't happen. And well, it says something about your tenacity. And I don't know if it's always that, or if it's just kind of like you're just what's going on inside your soul. But it's a lot of people would have thrown in the towel for sure. Uh, yep. Yeah, um, I de I'm definitely in probably invested way too much in this. Uh not only money, but physically. So I turned 50 this year, my, uh, from, from having played soccer and other sports, most of my life, um, I got a bad hip. I got a bad knee. I've got bad ankles. I've got, I've got bad shoulders from splitting <laughs> firewood now. And yeah, I know what you're when, when I first did this seven years ago, my wife and I and our family thought, you know what, we get this thing open before I'm 50 and you know, that, that, that's good timing before you get old. Turns out between the time that I started this and now the hard work that I've invested in this, it accelerated the aging of my body. And so um, part of that went into the um, maybe we should pull the plug. Last summer, I didn't do a service for maybe two or three months. And there were a couple of things involved, but part of that was my hip was in such god awful pain um i if i did any physical activity um it was it was on the pain was unbearable and uh -huh. um uh, i i'm not a go to the doctor type of guy and i was not i didn't want to go to the doctor i figured out that it was actually my back and uh i, I figured out start popping my back and what was happening was i guess i was pinching a nerve mm -hmm. from carrying heavy and so no i i i know that firsthand we take care of my mom oh. and i and i understand pain and I think that people don't get pain until they are in pain. And then they realize how it, it's consuming. How are you like, are you physically like the, does your hip hurt right now? No way. Not something I have not been able to do in literally years. Um, the summer that I came up with city limits in 2015, I was playing adult league soccer several days a week. Wow. And um, my well, hip pain got, uh, well, I mean, it's good it, and bad. But yeah. And so I had to retire myself in the middle of a game because my hip uh, was wow. so bad. Since then, I had not exercised a very hard uh, aerobic movement until about three weeks ago was the first time I went out to a basketball court around from my house. And I actually ran the court dribbling and um, physically, even though my joints hurt, um, I probably haven't been in this good a shape in oh. 
what, seven, seven, eight years. So um, I figured out how to deal with it. And now that I've got a guy helping me out, I've got somebody who I can um, pawn some, some of this work off to mm. and bringing this guy on was with knowing that I had this place mm-hmm. going. He knows what we're trying to do. He, we know that we're just temporary at our old location, but we are moving as fast as I can to getting this and getting some, some sense of normalcy created. And once we get a couple of these pop-ups going, we'll figure out, okay, we need, we need another line person. We need a one or two more uh, people out front. And um, the, the beauty of how this deal got arranged is that I don't have a $5,000 a month nut that we have to, you have to sell a lot of food for is very manageable. Thank goodness. And um, I can, uh, uh, for the time being, manage my, my weekday life and manage my weekend life as two separate things, especially now that I have a guy who can do all that midweek work for me that we need to have done in order to, to do the weekend pop-up. So, so, so what, um, so what's the plan right now in a nutshell? Cause I know, I know that you posted that you're going to have a pop-up in a couple weeks. Is that what's going to happen? Yep. So the first announcement of that pop-up was before I found a couple of the electrical problems that absolutely have to be addressed to some, yeah. some degree. And so uh, that cost us two weeks of getting the outdoor dining set up. So I'm a couple of weeks behind um, where I wanted initially wanted to be, but that goes back to anticipate the, un, uh, the unexpected. And mm-hmm. so um, I've been, I've tried to always post a, a certain degree of vagueness into when we will have that. Um, I may have not had enough of that vagueness or uncertainty into it, but it, we need to start doing these pop-ups over here. So as of right now, uh, I'm hoping to get our first pop-up over here in about three weeks. I think I posted last week trying to do something to tenth, but um, th- there's still a couple more things. I totally forgot, for example, that the handrails and the guardrails absolutely have to be fixed in between all these caters that I've been doing. Uh, over the last uh, few weekends and still some more coming up. This, I haven't had time to get to it. So um, we're going to get these items addressed. We're going to get the pop-up over here. It's talking to my guy. We have not figured out how in the world we're going to do the, the logistics. Do we slice on the trailer? Do we, uh, do we slice in the kitchen? Do we slice downstairs? Um, we haven't figured that out, but what what I know is that worst case scenario, we just handle it like we had a normal food truck. Yeah. And if we're able to utilize, to, to the extent that we're able to utilize the space to help relieve some of the, uh, this, uh, the space constraints that we had, great. One cool thing that I think that I figured out about this place. Okay. And uh, this, you had a question about this, about the location. So... Um, Remember, I got two points here. Um, the location. If you're coming from Atlanta, we are right off of the shortcut. If you're coming from Atlanta, heading to Charleston, which a lot of people do, if you know the shortcut to cut across from Interstate 20, it doesn't Interstate 20 somewhere close to you? No, that's 10. We have the 10. Oh, okay, okay. 
20 slower down in San Diego, I think, then. Oh, um, yeah, anyway. yeah, there, yeah, there is a 20 somewhere. Yeah, yeah, because when I was yep. in San Diego. Okay. So Interstate 20, Texas barbecue connection here, Interstate 20 starts about uh, uh, 70 miles from here, and there's actually a Bucky's right there at the start of Interstate 20, <laughs> and it runs the entire country. Anywho, um, so if you're cutting uh, across from Atlanta down to Charleston or if you're coming up from Charleston going to Atlanta, we are literally uh, – 300 yards off of the road that you do that shortcut from oh. if you're if you're coming to and from uh charleston to charlotte to and from charleston to greenville or basically anywhere up north not via 95 but um towards the center of the country we are literally uh right off of the interstate very oh, convenient um I hope that we are close enough so that uh, all these connections that I have across the country now, whenever people are driving through, I, I remember a guy, I don't remember uh, which guy it was. So one guy said, Oh, Hey, now that when I posted that, Hey, here's, here's where I'm at uh, video one dude that's from, I think Tennessee or Kentucky said, Hey, yeah, we're coming. We come down to Charleston frequently. Next time we come by, we know where you're at and stop. We got gas and food here. And just, we got food here, but, uh, we are very centrally located, not only um, within the local regional area, but we're centrally located within South Carolina and within the southeast uh, with that corridor between Charlotte, Charleston and Atlanta. Um, now, the other thing I wanted to mention, something I figured out is. Yes, we're going to have a Texas style line service. Um, I still am 120 percent on board that I think that part of this business is barbecue theater that mm -hmm. you're sell you, we are not selling people a value proposition the dollar menu we are yes we are feeding people but we are feeding we, we are presenting people an experience just like uh, the places out in texas like um some of my buddies around here on the southeast that you're you're coming in here you know you're going to spend a lot of money you know you're going to um well knock on wood you have that over the top experience like oh my gosh that was so good you know i just say to half of a beef rib that cost me, you know, a zillion dollars, <laughs> but, but also have the other platter yeah. with all the other stuff on it. And so we are, we are going to have that experience, but, um, around here, that business will nosedive after about two o'clock. Basically you, you lose the lunch rush or the lunch rush dies off. The way that this guy had this property set up is that I can actually show you, I think, so can you see those windows in mm -hmm. the background? Yeah. So we're, we're on the deck and what I'm going to do is we'll run the Texas line service until we'll figure out what, what makes sense Two, three o'clock in the afternoon. We'll shut that down. Um, that'll coincide knock on wood with some, some protein selling out and um, we'll shut that down, shut down that part of the restaurant uh, and then we're going to convert it over because this deck is going to have TVs and we're going to be having, uh, we're, we're going to have beer here. Um, those windows are screaming, um, walk up counter service mm -hmm. with a bar bar menu. So, bar menu, yeah. so when we look at all these other accounts from all, yeah, I'm sure you're like me, when you see some of these unique things that people are doing all over the country, um, we're going to some, I hope that imitation is a, a nice form of flattery that if you're doing something that I copy, you know, that 
I think that speaks well to your creativeness and you made something that looks so delicious. I think other people want to have it. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know what all is going to be on that menu. Um, and, uh, we'll figure it out. But so part of the revenue component here is that you can only feed so many people depending on your square footage and how many, you know, cutters and warmers, warmers, all that infrastructure. Yeah. You can only feed so many people in that window of lunch mm -hmm. and people only want to eat in that window of lunch. So you have to create an incentive or a reason for people to come eat at two o'clock or uh, two 33 o'clock in the afternoon. And so um, I think that we have a really creative thing that, if you just want to come up here and hang out for a few hours, uh, come up, get, you know, get some Frito pies or nachos or, or some other over the top uh, menu item, have a beer or two and be on your merry way. We have no plans to be open at night. Um, right now, it's just going to be Saturday. I think we'll really quickly move into doing it Sunday as well. Mm -hmm. And then from there is when it gets really hard figuring out, do we add a Thursday or Friday or what? So. Um, but you won't know until you cross that bridge. I think that's yep. The good thing is, and this goes back to to how I had this deal structured. We will be fine just doing Saturday services, and uh, anything beyond that is going to be gravy. And so um, I'm very fortunate that right out of the gate, we have to perform on Saturday. Absolutely, we have to perform on Saturday. But I don't have that insane amount of stress hanging over me saying that we have to be open four days a week mm -hmm. and because there's the the equipment issue there's the labor issue there's just dealing with being open four days a week um is a whole nother uh animal and um uh yeah. I, i'm excited to be able to get this thing going with the saturday only We'll never perfect it, but at least figure out what's working, what's not working, and then expand from there. And um, and the other part of this is just letting the cat out of the bag, letting other people know. When we have like these best of uh, voting things, um, we well, <laughs> part of the reason we don't win the best of, in part, probably we, we may not be the best of, but also the other part of that, they're, um, they're popularity contest and we're all the time running into people who like, what, where are you at? I've never heard of you. Like, I, we're not talking about people on the other side of town. We're like talking about people like two or three miles away. And so I am, man, I'm chomping at the bit to get this thing open to see how many people show up, which creates a whole nother problem is, how about I describe it before? We we don't advertise because when we have the 100 or 200 plus people show up, we we have enough food to serve most, if not all those people because we're cooking at our capacity. Last thing I wanted to do was to have twice as many people show up and then to piss off yeah. an extra 100 people because we didn't have any food. So um, uh, that, that first pop-up uh, is probably going to be pretty insane. Um, Hopefully we're not going to piss off too many people, but we're going to have some, uh, some plans, some, some, uh, what's it called? Some, uh, some backup plans to have something, um, something available yeah, in some smart. form to, for the feed people. So we'll figure that out. Yeah. Well, how, how many pits do you have? I forget. You have one, right? All right. So we got a thousand gallon Austin smoke works and I have a 500 gallon close pit and, 
the Dawson Smoke Works is where I'm doing the Texas barbecue, the briskets, beef ribs, uh, mm-hmm. et cetera. I converted the close pit to being a direct cooker to cook all the pork on. And uh, going back to when I first uh, created this, I thought that the uh, the barrier to having a sustainable pork barbecue place was just the that threshold was just too high. The investment to have people change their dining habits. And that goes back to what we were talking about before that you're used to having your particular comfort food, which around here, barbecue is largely a comfort food. And um, uh, the Carolina barbecue is you grew up eating so-and-so's barbecue. I may be able to cook really good pork barbecue, but uh, until we change those people's dining habits, you know, you're, you're with your buddy at the office. Hey, let's go to sit. Oh man, that was really good. And then the next week, say, hey, uh, we're going back over to, uh, um, you know, Dancing Pigs or whatever, you know, some made up name, uh, Dancing Pigs, where they would normally go. And I think that that's where most people would revert back to what they were uh, used to going. And that's why I went um, with, with with the Texas barbecue. And that's where I focused all my energy trying to uh, perfect that, even though you Perfection is a uh, unattainable for me, probably an unattainable goal. But the pork aspect of it, we were cooking uh, indirect butts, and you know, some people love or hate that article that Daniel just wrote about uh, Texas pork. But go back to why I bought my first smoker was because, and this was long before the the revol- the Texas barbecue revolution or the barbecue revolution. I mean, we're talking early two thousands that those places where I would go in and have the pork barbecue, um, it just wasn't good. And what I didn't realize or understand back then is because they were cooking it on offsets and I was used to cook eating barbecue correct directly over coals here. I had no idea any of any of those details, but, um, when I started this up, I knew in the back of my mind, I wanted to figure out how to do that, but it wasn't until about the last year or so, that I was able to start figuring some things out. How could we do this? How could we um, fold it into what our business is? And we'll never be a Skylight Inn or Sam Jones um, uh, style whole hog place. Uh, there, there are certain uh, financial issues with, not with them, but with um, the cost of wood, the cost of the hogs, the yield on the hogs. A lot of people doing whole hog, I'd be interested to know who's making a lot of money doing it. Um, and so it, it's it's a, a unique financial problem with the barbecue places that if you're trying to get into it, it it's uh, it, it's it's a challenge. But I think the cooking directly over coals is something that a lot of people are realizing creates a completely different flavor profile. Definitely. And so I think we've been doing it for about a year now, um, cooking uh, shoulders over. I get skins, we get crisp skins. Uh, we, when you're doing shoulders, you don't have all the other components to the hog. There's some good components and there's some uh, more challenging components. So for example, if you're cooking a whole hog, trying to make sure that you don't overcook the, the loin, which mm-hmm. is very lean. You know, if you overcook that and it dries out and you get that into, the, you get that bad, not bad bite, but, not as uh, rich or flavorful bite, you know, then it's not as good. But on the other hand, you get part of the belly chopped in to, to uh, what you're eating. That's the 
wow, you know, I've never had something quite this good yeah. because the belly's basically bacon. And so now you're eating bacon barking. And so what, what I'm doing now is I'm cooking shoulders and I'm cooking belly and I can, I haven't posted anything about this yet, but, um, uh, by the time uh, you publish this, maybe I have that. So I'm doing skin on shoulders right beside skin on bellies ah. and, and the skin on bellies I'm able to pull and you have that spaghetti effect, which is exactly like with the whole hog, um, chop it up, mix it up together. And Smart. we are, Smart. we are getting incredibly close to replicating the whole hog taste without some of the financial burdens of the whole hog um the yield the yield on a hog depending on uh the heritage breed hogs are way more uh marbled and and fatty and so your yield you're paying a lot more for the heritage hogs but with that extra fat they they render out so much their yield is even lower than the commodity hogs and so um, throw on top of that, you're burning an insane amount of wood uh, to to cook that hog over 10 plus hours. The yield just makes the what you have to charge for that. It's insane. This process, I'm trying to get it to where I can have a reasonably priced almost equivalent i know it's not the same i'm not going to say it's whole hog oh i'm coming up with some sort of uh, uh quippy uh snarky as snarky as city limits is a uh, name like you know our world famous quarter of a hog whole whole quarter of a hog barbecue something to that effect where we're trying to give you the best of the whole the whole hog experience um mixed in uh together uh so this whole tangent was about the pit so yeah, i've yeah. got two pits um, the good thing is that we'll be able to cook a whole lot more pork barbecue because there's a Lowe's, uh, you got Lowe's out there, right? The home yeah, improvement yeah. place. Um, there's a Lowe's right around the corner. If I know that we're going to be slammed, I'm going to roll over there, get a dang pallet of cinder blocks and some expanded metal. Yeah. And we're going to come over here, build, build a couple brick pits. So we've got that redundancy figured out what i haven't figured out is when will i order another either thousand gallon or a um, oiler style or an m and m and m style rotisserie <laughs> um to to take some of this load off um and uh you know that's in the back of my mind but a lot of my energy is really focused on getting this place safe and secure well, so that we can right now, yeah. and and I, i've been very hesitant to venture mentally into spending twenty, forty thousand dollars on more smokers when I didn't have any numbers yet on how much it was going to cost to fix the infrastructure of the building. So um, we've made progress with that. That makes sense. No, that makes all the sense, Roddy. That's uh, it's um, and also too, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. It's important yes. to like do things in a methodical way. And especially that's how your brain works. Uh, unfortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, yeah. yes. Uh, um, uh, it's it's a blessing, but it's also a curse at times that I, that I I I understand what my limitations are, and one of my limitations are I'm not the dude to just throw throw it to the wind to see what happens, and that's probably held us back. Um, and uh, if I could go back and do it over again, I probably should have been a little bit more aggressive and uh, less uh, uh, less risk averse. Then, then I have, but I mean, it is what it is. Uh, you but know. also to the sort of nature, like it's that would go against 
against your nature i think it would go against yes. who you are and i have i have maybe like five minutes because i do have to take it for the epidural what i want to make sure i get all the details as to so right now you're looking at saturday only service if you fall if everyone follows your social media and also too because like, i put tiktok on your tiktok is awesome and I, I love your tiktok and also it's interesting because certain ones have just blown up and yep it it I know it's just like everyone tries to figure out kind of like what what makes the most sense and 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 yours are just honest and who you are and also too like even like I'm I'm silly enough that when I see a shovel of coals like I'll stop and watch mm-hmm. like I have I, but I'm sure other people are too. What are all the different ways that people can get a hold of you that they can follow you because it's kind of right now mid June to late June will be your probably your pop up mm-hmm. because just to be safe. But uh, what's yep. what are all the best ways to follow you? And then Saturday, will you be doing like kind of like eleven o'clock service? Is that what you're thinking? Or okay. yep. So the best way to follow us is uh, our handle is at City Limits Q. Pretty much everywhere and anywhere. Um, TikTok, it's at I think City Limits Q Barbecue. I actually had created a TikTok account years ago with City Limits Q. I never used it and the email associated with it, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, I can't, <laughs> so I can't get back to that account. I'll go back to that later, but uh, follow us anywhere on social media. Silly Mitz Q. Um, if you're local, uh, join our email list, which was really important for the pop-ups that we were doing at the old location. Um, once we get this open, it'll be a little bit less, uh, uh, complicated to understand what's going on will be open on Saturday Um, before it was, you really needed to get the email to understand when I was going to be open because also with pre-order we didn't even talk about pre-order. So those last handful of services I've been doing were, were straight pre-orders. This, I think that we're going to have to, we, I'm still going to offer pre-order, but I think we're going to have to raise a minimum um, to, to a few hundred dollars. I understand what it's like to want to come get food, stand in line for two hours, not get the food you want or not to get any food at all. I I understand that it's a very, this Texas barbecue thing, this, this modern line service sellout model. It's fascinating and uh, insanity uh, creating um, at the same time. Um, we will figure out how to fold in letting people still pre-order along with the coming up and waiting in line um hopefully for not too long there's there's an experience to waiting in line then there's also a very bad experience to waiting in line for too long if there's a disconnect between the value that you get out of that wait and what you end up getting and so some guys knock it out of the park with that experience in the line where there's a correlation to hey i'm getting value because i'm meeting new people you know i'm getting away from the city i'm this or that versus I just stood in line for two hours for some dry pork barbecue sandwich that didn't even come with sauce and they didn't put any. And so um, we'll be Saturdays opening at 11. We will, we're planning to convert over to like a bar menu around midday and uh, we'll go until we'll figure out that, that ebb and flow. Like, Hey, people are going to hang out until about sunset the sunsets here are incredible oh Uh, man the sun comes through um i love it um 
the unfortunate thing is we only have so many seats where you can enjoy that. So we'll, we'll figure out how to do that. Um, and it, again, locally, follow us on social media. Uh, the email list uh, is probably still good to subscribe to. And um, what's what's uh, what's that that foodie group that you mentioned? Is that something people should check out on Facebook, or are you are you posting man, even on that anymore? I I personally don't post on it um, because restaurants. I don't think restaurants can't post on it. And so okay, so it's one of it, those. Okay. So if you're the owner or the friend of the owner, you're always, you can tell who these people are. Hey, go to so-and-so's because they have the best soup in town. It is delicious. I get, and so, you know, it's a, it's a little disingenuous. Yeah. Um, some of these posts. And so I, I start, I got into the group because uh, there would be an occasional post where say, Hey, who has the best barbecue in town? And there would be 200 comments and I would have uh, like three of my, my hardcore faithful, post um hey city limits you know blah 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 and that's what i was saying about nobody knows who, who in town nobody knows who i am in the fact that i've had a very strong following you look at these foodie group comments anytime there's a barbecue post and you look at all of the places that are listed and even if we're mediocre and again not saying that we're the best um we're we do the best that we can do it's up for other people to decide if we're the best or not. I hope we are, you know, that's, that's what we strive to do, but we can only yeah. do what we can control. But when you see all of the answers and me having eating, eaten at almost all of these places, um, uh, <laughs> we, we, we have a huge market opportunity um, to at least let us, let us give it a try yeah. with you to see if we can earn your business. And so, um, those foodie groups, they're good, but they're also bad because you get the, uh, uh, the foodies who post, um, and I hope that this, this doesn't come back to bite me, but, um, I was actually working on a decision tree post where are you in the local foodie group? Yes or no? Yes. Have you always wanted to try this place? Yes or no? Yes. Did you finally stop? Yes. Was it, um, you know, there's, there are like, 15 common things that you can find in almost every foodie, uh, local foodie post. And I was going to do a really uh, uh, entertaining uh, decision tree on it, but I, I think it was probably going to come, come off the wrong way that I was making fun of specific people. And I wasn't, it's was just making fun of the whole foodie thing. Anyway, sorry for the tangent, but um, uh, no, I'm with you one, on that. <laughs> one thing about the, uh, the TikTok and the, um, uh social media so facebook is rated g um instagram pg to pg 13 at times uh twitter di uh, tangents off into financial stuff at times um but it gets some barbecue so it's kind of an outlier yeah, it's like kind of, sec yeah. second cousin but then tiktok is where um it's not quite rated r but you know i don't hold back on a lot of stuff what I want to, what I'm excited to do also is if you go back and look at all of my content across all the platforms, I've been incredibly guarded about what I show with what I do, even though I think that a lot of stuff that we do is really interesting. Uh, if I say so myself, uh, <laughs> pet, pet, I'm on back, but um, 
part of that had to be, I, I couldn't quite show all of the behind the scenes stuff because some of that was problematic. Yeah. So with this new place, I'm excited to, to show people how we are actually more, doing yeah. stuff, showing, you know, opening up wide open w- with nothing to hide. So, um, uh, the content should be evolving and, you know, on TikTok, how do you get engagement? And if you can create something to bring the haters out, oh, that's gold because that creates engagement. And then when you get so many haters that then you get people defending what you're doing. So you got people fighting within the comments and the share. So, um, you can, you can really, uh, blow it up. One of my uh, biggest posts was I showed uh, how not to pull pork, and it was a couple shoulders that I had in hot hold and, and a way overcooked them. And um, you got some people in there saying, oh, man, look how look at that bark. And you got other people saying, that's complete mush. It, it was mush. It, it wasn't something that I sold, but it was just content. And you can, when you look at the comments and you see half of the people think that it was uh, awesome, the other half of the people realize that it, it was horrendously wrong and you get that faction uh fighting each other it, it creates viral content then you get other stuff that you think is this is uh social media 101 you yeah, put I, out I, I think content. i think it's i think it's like getting likes and then comments and then all of a sudden the algorithm likes like it pulls you in it's just it's a weird i've noticed like things when i post stuff about tootsie or different things it's mm-hmm. all of a sudden skyrockets and you're like wait a second. <laughs> that's, yes that's why so. and, and then yeah people putting hairball stuff and but i i hate i hate to cut this off and this has been i i think that i think what i would love to do too is once you're closer to opening can we do another one because i would love to give people kind of this journey and then also you could look back at it but this one this was so great because i feel like i know what's going to happen but also i'm really really excited i'm very curious how you're going to deal with all these uh oddities and unique aspects Absolutely. And something I want to say, uh, thank you for doing what you're doing. Um, I think I mentioned this before in the, in our, in our early interview, but, um, the handful of podcasts that are out there in in your video series, there's so many of us outside of Texas, we don't have the opportunity to, you know, go up the snows on Saturday morning and, and be part of that or to go and talk to clay or, or talk to, um, all of the people that you speak with. And so it helps it. will. I can't, I guess I can't speak for everybody else, but it helps connect me to these other people to hear their stories, to hear the funny stuff, the stuff that's working for them, stuff that's not working for them. Um, and so thank you for what you're oh, doing. You. Uh, it, it's, and I, I'm sure that a lot of people out there feel the same way that uh, we look at the videos and like, Oh, that, I mean, I, that was entertaining. That, that's good. That's good to know. I didn't, oh. I didn't know that the, the M&M stuff, uh, those guys. Um, oh, yeah. that's interesting story. Okay. So um, thank you. I know you got to go. Uh, sorry for rambling on. How no, no, I, pro- on I love talking. I could talk like, you're just like me. I could talk to you for four hours and I can't wait once. Like I'm at the final stage of, helping my mom with these things. And once we get settled and I get her some, you know, some help that that can come in every so often, I'll be able to get on the road and actually see you and see all the people that I've spoken with, but you, especially I've always connected with you. And even just like yesterday, talking on the phone, it was just nice to just, you know, connect. And it's a lot of times I feel like I'm in a, this is all like on me, but in a void or I'm in a hole and I'm doing these and I'm dealing with my, all this life stuff that it's nice to hear something like that because I hope that it's resonating with people. I hope that 
people understand the reason why I'm doing this is because everyone's got a unique story. Everyone's doing something completely unique or strange. Mm-hmm. And, and these like these behind the scenes tours with the barbecue joints, I like to do them. I want people because people like to show off what they have, but also too, people can look and say, oh, that's how they do that. I, mm-hmm. I'm going to replicate that, but in my own way. So You know, maybe a final point here. It is incredibly amazing when you step back and think that the end product of so many of a similar type places, our end product, say the, uh, the fourth slice, when you look at it, we were we're all in the say 95 percentile of it being similar some of us have really good four slices some of us it at least looks good maybe it doesn't taste quite the same but so many of us are within this very close zone of, of similarity but in our unique way and that unique way is that i have yet to find out of the definitely dozens maybe hundreds of barbecue places that i know how they are cooking their barbecue absolutely nobody cooks it the same way mm-hmm. and to think that the end product is so consistent it's mind-blowing yeah. you got you got dudes that are cooking brisket and oilers you can't visually tell the difference between that and somebody cooking it on an offset you got guys in offsets cooking it at very low temps for a long period of time then you got dudes who are cooking it at super high temps for a short amount of time and you're looking at slice it looks the exact same. Yeah. It, it's um, it, it's amazing how similar we are on the back end, but on the front end, the processes are so insanely different. And that goes into if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And it, I think there's a resounding consensus that um, this isn't easy. And uh, uh, mm. <laughs> it was almost like at times I had thought like maybe this four or five years ago, I thought it would be interesting to have a convention because I used to go, I used to work in furniture world and I we used to go to conventions in Las Vegas for, for the furniture. It was for commercial furniture and for hotels and things. And then I also go to, went to uh, uh, Greensboro, not Greensboro, um, High Point. High Point, a, yeah. Twice a year. But it was, and but it was getting, it would be interesting to get like two, three hundred of the quote unquote pit masters or through uh, cooks or restaurateurs together and, and talk because it would just be interesting. But I guess people do get, they go to festivals and they do, do things, but it's, I think it would be to talk shop and to deal with stuff. It, it's maybe, maybe that's just the networking that we all do. But anyways, I, I apologize. That was a weird tangent, but thank you, Robbie, so much for doing what you're doing. I'm excited. I'm, I, I like that you're so honest and so deliberate about things. And it's just, it's, it's a very interesting way for you, for you to share your journey with people. And, and it's, you know, I, I like to get to the psychology of this whole thing because, you know, there's a lot of people who have sleepless nights, but they, on the outside, they'll, they won't, people don't know that. And they think it's this, Oh, it's a restaurant. They're doing great. So I want to come visit. It's there's, it's real, it's life. And it's, and you've, the fact that you've looked at seven to 10 other places, I didn't know this. This is I, there's a lot of eye-opening things that I've learned. So thank you, yeah. Robbie, for this. Yeah, it was very. I never saw a way to explain to people. Hey, uh, well, let me say that about being coy with with all of that is that people all the time be blowing me up. Hey, when are you open in a place? When are you doing this? And 
what I couldn't explain in the background was you don't understand how hard we are trying to find the right place. And like, um, trying to maintain my sanity the whole time with, with these things, uh, going poof in, 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 in midair and the, the, the mental commitment to try to make a, uh, a formal written offer to buy someplace like, you know, me and my wife are like, we're doing this offers in. Yeah. They sold it to somebody else. Like, oh my gosh. So now what do we do? We just wasted two months focused on this. And so, um, and the emotions uh, involved, that's a real, it's because you, because you have to commit mentally to want to do it. And then it's, the rug gets pulled out. It's, it's wild. Yes. That's wild. Uh, we, we really could keep on talking for forever. I, I yeah, know yeah, we could. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do a part two. In the- yep. <laughs> so, uh, yes, yes, there's, yes. There's probably a lot of good things and bad things you could do, but anyway, I'll talk yes. to you soon. All right. Later on, man. Bye.